How's it going, everyone? This is Alex Lavage with A New Knoxville. Uh, this is a podcast that is exploring uh, new ideas with economic development thought leaders and entrepreneurs um, across the country and across the world about things that we can do to uh, improve um, creative ecosystems and economic development uh, programs in Knoxville and other cities. Uh, I'm here with Jeremy and Peter and Sean, who I will let them introduce themselves. They're from Santa Cruz. Uh, Jeremy, uh, will you get started? Sure. My name is Jeremy Neuner, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Next Space Coworking and Innovation Incorporated in Santa Cruz, California. And just real fast, if people want to find you on the web, they can go to your website? www.nextspace.us. Awesome. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter, and we're Next Space. Cool. And also with us is uh, Peter. Yeah. How you doing? How's it going, Peter? Can you give us a brief introduction? Right on. Well, my name is Peter Cote. I'm the Economic Development Coordinator for the City of Santa Cruz, and my job is to attract and retain high-tech businesses and also uh, rethink the way that the Santa Cruz economy functions. And our website is at www.cruisebusiness.com. Awesome. And also joining us is Sean Terrio. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Sean Terrio, Santa Cruz resident, and I'm the co-organizer of uh, Santa Cruz Geeks, which is a local community of technologists and entrepreneurs that gets together every now and again um, and has a couple offshoots of meetups every every couple weeks for iPhone development and uh, just general geeky stuff. <laughs> That sounds good. And of course, I know a little bit about all you guys. I think all you guys are being really humble. You all are involved in a lot more, too, in the Santa Cruz community, but uh, we can save that for another time. Jeremy, I wanted to get started with you. Uh, talk a little bit about the history of NextSpace, just so the audience uh, knows. NextSpace is um, a really, really cool, trendy co-working space that has just hit the ground running. I mean, in terms of its growth rate. Uh, there are not many other co-working spaces that uh, can see that that degree of growth, which is really exciting. Maybe talk a little bit about when you got started and how that organically came about. Sure. Uh, today is actually our 101st day in business. We just had a big media push yesterday for 100 days, so that's kind of how new we are. And uh, we have grown uh, way faster than we anticipated. Uh, the uh, a lot of the credit actually doesn't go to Next Space. A lot of the credit does go to Sean, who's with me, and uh, a woman named Margaret Rosas, and some guys named Shane and Peter here in Santa Cruz, who did uh, basically created the community first, uh, and it was that community that was here and sort of provided a ready-made market, if you will, uh, for for the Next Space uh, concept and the Next Space community. So uh, a lot of credit goes to those guys for, for laying the groundwork. And uh, we were uh, just the guys who were smart enough, I guess, to, to uh, understand that that community needed some kind of physical home and physical nexus. And right. so we were able to find that uh, and put that together here in Santa Cruz. And I think that's a, that's a big reason why we've been uh, as successful early on as we have. So roughly how many square feet are you all? We're just under 11,000 square feet, and we're right in the middle of downtown Santa Cruz. And you're pretty much already getting close to full with how many tenants? Um, we have uh, 
78 members. Uh, we do uh, our, our whole model is based on membership in a community. We've had 78 members, and um, we our office membership, which is our top tier membership, is almost full, and uh, we're about a third full uh, at our cafe membership level, and what we call our Carol or workstation membership level. That's interesting. So you're combining the co-working workspace with also a cafe-like model and accommodating to both. That's right. Yeah, we uh, our our membership tiers go from cafe, uh, which allows people to just kind of come in and hang out, to the Carol or workstation, which gives you a permanent desk, all the way up to office space. I think one of the things that Jeremy has tapped into that's really prevalent in the Santa Cruz community is that we're very proximal to the Silicon Valley. San Jose is only 20 miles away, and Santa Clara is about 25. And we estimate there's 20,000 vehicle trips per day between us and the valley. So there's a ton of talent that lives here, and if you run the roster on any of the large tech companies like Cisco or Apple or HP, you're going to find a significant amount of those people working here, as well as a lot of people that are independent contractors. And this was a community that was existing in its living rooms, and now finally there's a place for them to come together and create things together and collaborate, and it's really exciting to watch uh, this bloom even during a time of economic recession. Absolutely. Well, it's something I liked about you all promoting the slogan that passion is recession-proof. Um, I think that's a slogan that's definitely being heard a lot more often across the country, which is really exciting. Right. Um, Sean, I was going to ask you real fast, what, what in addition to, I assume, Santa Cruz Geeks or some of the other uh, social... Um, organizations that bring you know the creative class and the entrepreneurs together in Santa Cruz that you all tapped into in order to get Next Space off the ground. Right, one of those organizations would be Santa Cruz Next, which is a sort of alternative chamber of commerce for the 25 to 45 year old demographic here in Santa Cruz, and uh, that really was spearheaded by Ryan Coonerty, the former mayor of Santa Cruz, um, and he just saw this vast need for the uh, 25 to 45 year old demographic to get engaged with the political process and with industry and with commerce in Santa Cruz. Um, as he was sitting around at board meetings, uh, city council meetings, he just saw that there was no one under the age of 52 in the audience um, year over year over year. And so he just said, enough is enough, and uh, got together a couple, um, you know, eight, eight uh, personality types, and we just started having events that hope to educate and inform uh, the Santa Cruz population on the issues that matter to their lives and will matter to our lives as we continue to live and thrive in Santa Cruz. Um, when you guys were pitching this to the community that was there in Santa Cruz, were you using any sort of favorite case studies or favorite examples of other co-working spaces either uh, in the San Francisco Bay, Silicon Valley area, or across the country? And if so, uh, uh, yeah. what were they? Uh, we, we did a lot of work um, on uh, on sort of benchmarking uh, different co-working spaces and trying to figure out what we could sort of borrow or, uh, or, or co-opt in those models. Um, uh, a citizen space up in, uh, in San Francisco uh, was one where uh, we looked at really really closely not so much for the for the for the way the infrastructure set up because it's pretty different than what our our, our our infrastructure set up but definitely for the idea that that uh, that the community uh, and and having a community-based organization and a, and a co-working space that's run like a community instead of like a business um, they they seem to do a really good job of that um, and uh, a couple in Austin one called launchpad uh, uh, co-working and another one 
that uh, we just took a look at uh, recently called Conjunctured. Uh, so there was a few that we took uh, that we were able able to model this off of, but you know, co-working is really a spectrum, um, and uh, just trying to find where your town and your community would fit on that spectrum is really what what was helpful for us. Right, absolutely. Real real fast question, and then I want to sort of take it in a direction in terms of what you all think is the future of co-working. What type of screening process do you have for tenants? Because I was looking through your tenant list, and you've got some really impressive companies and people that are there. A lot of that is attributed to the fact that you are in Silicon Valley, which already you know is going to be attracting a lot of the top innovators across the country. But is there anything else besides you know if you're willing to pay the rent, you guys are allowed in that um, prohibits people from joining the space? We we don't have any um, any real true criteria that says we'll, we'll accept this kind of company, and not that one. Um, what's happening, um, and this sort of fits with with what's happening, kind of. Uh, bigger picture in the economy is that people are kind of self-selecting into this space. Um, they come in, they take a look around, they see the vibe, and they realize that it's either going to work for them or it's not. Sure. And you know, if, if pushed, what I tell people is if you think that you can both give and get something from this community, the next space is right for you. Um, and that, you know, people really think long and hard about that. And uh, all the people that are here have self-selected in. Um, the only person we had to kind of turn away, quite frankly, was someone who wanted the office to use as a place to do psychotherapy, and that didn't seem, like, <laughs> yeah. that didn't seem like, like the best fit, um, and, that, and they actually made, made that decision on their own. Um, so if you can both give and get something from the community, then I think you're in. This is... We all don't need some psychotherapy. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a question, I guess, for all of you guys, if you all wanted each of you to take a stab at this one. What do you think is the future of co-working. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying I was talking with Mother Jones Magazine earlier in the year, and this wasn't a part of it that was published in the interview, but I talked about how co-working is probably going to go through three phases the same way we saw the web go through three phases, co-working 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Right now we really see co-working 1.0, which pretty much is just the premise of you get a lot of creative, self-employed professionals and entrepreneurs in the same space, cool stuff happens. Um, what do you think is could be maybe a part of the 2.0 model, and if you all have thought about it, what could be even be coming after that? We're all looking at each other. Who wants to take that one first? <laughs> um, I think you just kind of nailed it on the head, though, Alex, in that if you get a bunch of smart people and motivated people in a room, cool things happen. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't know what the future is going to be for that. I do know that there's more and more people that are uh, – going out of their corporate walls and looking for opportunities to um, back away from corporate environment um, and, and start something new and fresh on their own. So really what they need are resources, uh, be it capital, uh, be it human capital, and just experience as the people who know how to get something from an idea phase to production and scalability. The other thing I'm going to throw out there, I'm going to wander way out on the limb here, but um, we're seeing sort of the evolution of working models. Um, you know, we have a school calendar that's tied to an agrarian economy. We have a work schedule that's tied to an industrial economy. But now we're getting way past that with Web 2.0 and, and whatnot. It's non-hierarchical. So there's people, you know, working as contractors for many companies. It's like a one-to-many relationship that might evolve out of co-working. Um, I'll just uh, piggyback a little bit on what 
what Sean said. Uh, one of the, my favorite books that I'm reading right now is, is Crowdsourcing, and I, my apologies to the gentleman who wrote it because it's a really smart book. Um, uh, and he talks about, uh, uh, my apologies for not remembering his name, I should say, and he talks about um, uh, how, how like, like Sean said, sort of the demise of the firm. And uh, I think one of the evolutions of, of co-working is that people who own and design and build commercial real estate are, uh, are going to be forced to adapt to, uh, to a new reality of the workforce. And you know, they basically, much like uh, uh, Detroit has been faulted for building cars that nobody really wanted, uh, I think the commercial real estate uh, industry is going to soon be faulted for building buildings that nobody really wants and nobody can really use. So I Absolutely. think that's going to be a really interesting trend that, that, we're, that, that we're watching uh, to see uh, where the opportunities might lie there. And, and just to clarify, I think the book you're talking about is Crowdsourcing, Why the Power of the Crowd is Driving the Future of Business by Jeff Ho, the journalist. Yes, thank you for, uh, for Google. To so, yes, <laughs> so no worries. And um, we can talk a little bit more about sort of, I'll just, I'll just say this real fast, because um, we've been talking a lot about it in Knoxville Overground, but we've been doing a lot of collaboration with the National Business Incubation Association. And as I'm sure as a lot of you all know, the overall uh, failure rate of startups after the first year is around 70%. But when you look at MBIA accredited business incubators, the success rate jumps to 92%, meaning that companies that go through that accredited system uh, end up graduating, meaning that they're able to then afford to support their own office space, rent, and possibly employees and other operating expenses on their own uh, without any additional support. And so it seems like possibly, and again, we can talk about this later, I don't want to steer off too much, but that the real value of co-working 2.0 can be say, hey, we've put these metrics in place that prove we've got a support system and infrastructure here that will guarantee you statistically, you know, the saying goes, you can't predict individual success, but you can predict group behavior and, and business success in a supportive environment, that your chances of becoming more successful substantially jump up. And then that's not just anecdotal. Here are the numbers. Yeah, I think that's interesting because um, uh, people sometimes ask us if we, if Next Phase is a business incubator, and um, I'm, I'm often reluctant to, to say yes, although when, when, when pressed, I guess I will. But um, uh, that, you know, business incubation and incubators have a sort of a top-down model, and co-working has a much more bottom-up model. And not to put a value judgment on which, which model is better, and as, as, as the uh, statistics that you cite, you know, certainly business, business incubation works, and, and we're, we watch the, the MBIA pretty closely as well. But I'm interested to see sort of how those two movements, uh, sort of traditional business incubation that's been around for 30 or 40 years and how co-working, which has been around for a much shorter amount of time, how those two things sort of uh, merge and meld together. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wanted to shift it a little bit to um, maybe ask uh, you, Peter, what 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 makes Santa Cruz such a neat place to do business? What What are the components that exist right now? in that creative ecosystem that allow uh, the self-employed professionals and entrepreneurs to thrive, whether it's, you know, high quality of life, low cost of living, what kind of tax benefits are there? It's definitely not low cost of living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but then also to talk about what are the things that you could see in the future 
that could help add value to that creative ecosystem, either ideas or things that are in, that are currently in progress um, that make it a more enticing place to do business and to grow? Well, actually, the, uh, the first part of your question answers the second part of your question. Santa Cruz is uniquely situated um, in the fact that it has two major research universities within about 40 miles, mm-hmm. um, including UC Santa Cruz, which is the industry leaders, human genome project, the great engineering program, great computer engineering, computer design. All of that is happening up at UC Santa Cruz. At the median age of 35, we have an incredibly rich pool of talent. In fact, Santa Cruz is in large part driving the Silicon Valley economy, literally driving over the hill to go make that happen. The second part is that we have an absolutely stunning quality of life. Um, unfortunately, that comes with relatively high real estate prices, even in, in now. Uh, but the quality of life is through the roof here. Uh, we're surrounded by a green belt. We've got the ocean. We've got the mountains. It's a wonderful place to live. And it's very That's true. You know, even commuting, you can do it on a bike here. It's great. And then third, we have access to Silicon Valley capital and vendors. Um, when you need something very specialized that you can't get here, uh, typically it's only a half an hour away if you need to physically pick it up. And, you know, with, uh, with the Internet, it's, it's, you can reach out and touch anybody that you need over there. So we're really ideally situated um, for the next wave of economic development, specifically what's going to happen in green technology. And that's one of the main areas that our office, the Economic Development Office, is working on bringing those companies over here and saying, look, we have the research, now let's get the technology transfer and commercialize it, and let's bring the venture capital over the hill, show them what a great community this is to do green research because we've been living the green ideals for more than 30 years at this point. I think that's real interesting, and I would I would also ask you to say, I mean, a lot of those are just sort of the very tangible, materialistic benefits. What are some of the intangible biz, uh, benefits, and in particular, culturally? I mean, you know, the, the, the cultural differences and the way people interact with each other, their openness to collaboration, their openness to um, innovating. I mean, th- there are, you know, different geo-psychological correlations that are all across the country and Santa Cruz I think has its own but I'd rather uh, you sort of address that in your own way well let me start off and then I'm going to hand it over to Jeremy who I think has even more experience in this area but Santa Cruz right now is going through a big mind shift where really a generation of com- is coming of age including through organizations like Santa Cruz Next, we're, we're saying we're looking at the siloed social systems of the previous generation, and we're saying let's break down those silos and let's collaborate across them, specifically working with the university on technology transfer, mm-hmm. working with each other, bringing the business community and the environmental community together, bringing the development community together with, with um, you know people that previously would never talk to them, and saying what can we do to develop the economy here in a post-industrial sense, and what can we do to improve the quality of life for all people by retaining the sort of unique social and environmental aspects that improve our quality of life. I think piggybacking off that, um, Peter hit on a really key, key point, is that different thought leaders in this town who work in different industries and segments are now starting to actually talk to each other. Um, That was one of the biggest barriers uh, for growth and progress in Cruz. But as, as a new generation is emerging and starting to take the reins, we don't have a lot of the baggage and we don't have a lot of the uh, cynicism that our, our counterparts um, have had in the past. And um, so we're just more open to working with each other. And though we, may not, though we may not agree politically about everything, we're more than happy to sit down and have a beer 
um, and just talk about how we can progressively take the issues that we can't agree upon forward. I like that. We're a generation that has no baggage, but we insist on talking over alcohol. I think that... <laughs> Perfect. Well said. <laughs> one other thing that I want uh, to, to, to bring up in terms of one of the intangibles is that um, we, we really do in Santa Cruz have, have a history, uh, a long and a rich history of what I'll sort of call broad-based innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Silicon Valley, um, you know, the, 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 the kinds and types of innovation are sort of in a, in a relatively uh, a narrow vertical uh, to, to a large degree. In Santa Cruz, uh, uh, the, the the headset that Neil Armstrong wore on the moon in 1969 was was uh, designed and manufactured by Plantronics here in Santa Cruz. Um, uh, uh, organic farming uh, processes, which are uh, very much all all the rage these days, were more or less uh, perfected at UC Santa Cruz's Center for Agroecology and Sustainable Food Systems. Uh, the wetsuit, which is you know ubiquitous all over the world now, was developed uh, about 35 years ago by Jack O'Neill from, from O'Neill uh, Surf Shop uh, when he got tired of surfing in the 51-degree water. Um, so the, 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 as Peter mentioned, uh, the human genome sequencer uh, was developed at UC Santa Cruz. So these innovations are sort of uh, are, are things that people uh, live with and touch uh, almost every day, and they are really broadly based. And and as both Peter and Sean have been have been suggesting, that breaking down the silos amongst those those those, those, those innovation verticals and, and having a more broad based sort of collaborative uh, innovation culture has been has been one of the things that I find to be super profound here uh, in. In this town. Absolutely, and I think that kind of we're, we've we've seen that in in Knoxville too is just the importance of really celebrate celebrating and publishing and promoting the entrepreneurial history of our community, and likewise any community should really think about doing that. Where can anyone get on the web and see a timeline of all the innovations and startups and companies that came from a particular area, and what that does to attract more people because they feel as though they're a part of a tradition. Um, them directly towards the economic development website. Yeah. www.cruisebusiness.com. <laughs> very, very cool. I, I wanted to go back to the initial question. What, what's sort of on the horizon for Santa Cruz? What are some of the social endeavors, uh, projects, and public innovation that you guys see going on? That um, I mean, anything from hey, there's this you know lecture series that talks about emerging markets and tech to this is you know there's like a uh, you know, a, a, a startup drinks chapter that's happening to, you know, there's there's this new community development fund that people can approach to get startup capital. I mean, whatever it is, what are some of the things that really excite you all right now? I think Sean should probably start that off and talk about all the work that the geeks are doing, sort of uh, uh, catalyzing the community here, and then I'd be happy to talk about the more physical plan. Okay. Um, sure, yeah. So from the geeks front, we've had Santa Cruz Geeks up and running for a little over a year, not too much longer than a year, and we've had a number of startups actually come out of that, including 12seconds.tv, which is up to win a uh, crunchy tonight up in uh, San Francisco. Oh, 12 seconds! Um, so <laughs> that's pretty exciting. And we've also had a couple different bar camps spawn out of out of the geek dinners. Um, but in the future, cool. we plan on developing many more uh, tools that will allow residents to fully document and detail what the profession is, what skills that they have, 
that they want to bring to the table and what type of opportunities that they're looking for. So we kind of have a transparent view into the Santa Cruz geek community and people can start leveraging resources and finding resources without having to jump through hoops or go to you know five million different events just to figure out who those people are. Um, so that's a lot of what the geeks are working on. There's also something called the Santa Cruz New Tech Alliance Meetup that meets once a month. And uh, they had one just on Wednesday, and they bring four or five companies from either over the hill or based out of Santa Cruz that are doing interesting things. And uh, that started again almost a year ago, and it's grown from about 20 people showing up to we had over 100 people show up Very uh, cool. on Wednesday night. And uh, the Santa Cruz Geeks also grew from about 20 people to we have about 200 people who are our registered members and about 50 plus that show up to our dinners once a month. Uh, but, you know, Jeremy actually here in X-Space coming up on the 22nd is going to be having an event that I think is, you know, one of those bullet points. Uh, we have an author coming in. Slow Money is the name of the book. A guy named Woody Cash wrote this book called Slow Money. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's mostly about local local money. How do you take 50% of your capital and reinvest it locally, whether it's going to the grocery store, um, buying gas, you know. Very good. Money locally and using your money in your local economy and servicing your local economy. Um, and then we're going to be following that up at the end of March with a event called Technology and Business in Santa Cruz Summit. And that's going to be bringing other thought leaders and people involved with the economic uh, transformation uh, conversation in Santa Cruz to the same table and specifically answering the question, how does your organization uh, view the future of technology and business in Santa Cruz and what are you doing specifically to manifest that vision over the next coming months and years to come? The other thing that's happening, which is pretty exciting, is um, you know, as part of the economic stimulus package that's rolling down from the federal right now, uh, we're working on trying to get a digital media and design incubator built. Um, you know, building on everything that happened with Plantronics and, and headset development, and really incorporating industrial design into high tech. Uh, we're quite a center for that already. We already have the Santa Cruz Design and Innovation Center. It's a nonprofit that's uh, catalyzing that community. And we're trying to put them into a business incubator space out uh, on the west side of our town in collaboration also with uh, UCSC and trying to get their game design folks into there and build small businesses out of there. That's a very exciting project. Um, and then um, the Digital Media Factory is uh, also another interesting business that's out on the west side. It's currently in the an abandoned gum factory. Uh, cool. Wrigley's used to have a plant out there, and now they're doing uh, digital media out of there. So, you know, a perfect storm. All the, the scenes out on the boat were filmed there digitally, and it's, it's exciting stuff that Marty and his group are doing. I guess the the last question, just because we're running out of time here, um, and just sort of quick sound bites f from each of you, what's what's the one thing that you think Santa Cruz still needs that you'd like to see happen over the next few years that could help support self-employed professionals and entrepreneurs in the area? Um, well, there's, there's two things. We want to start creating jobs in Santa Cruz that would entice people to stay in Santa Cruz. So, for example, okay. I commute over the hill to South San Francisco from Santa Cruz. It's about an hour and a half drive just there, too, and then another hour and a half back. So I commute three hours a day, twice a week, to go to a job based in South San Francisco because there really are no jobs like the job that I have in South San Francisco in Santa Cruz. So a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, selfishly motivated to creating a job here in Santa Cruz. Um, that's the likes of what I do up in San Francisco. Um, so we're focusing on high tech. We're focusing on new tech. Um, 
at least I'm focusing on high tech and new tech. Uh, Jeremy and Peter are focusing across the board on uh, just creating jobs here that are both, um, I guess, higher wage, uh, but they're also sustainable. Is sure. The we want to focus on our local economy. We want to keep jobs here, and we want to keep the money here. And so we're also starting to rally the capital that's here. I mean, there are some huge, massive homes along the coastline here. There are a lot of very successful, seasoned um, entrepreneurs and businessmen and women who have very large mansions that want to invest in Santa Cruz, and they just want to see the infrastructure there for them to invest in. So Jeremy and me and Peter and a variety of others are all working to catalyze that capital and that community and get them engaged in the process and involved in the process. Because the younger generation, my generation, and Jeremy and Peter's generation, we can only do so much. We need the advice and the wisdom of people who have been there and who have done that. And we also, we also, we also need their money. We also need their money. <laughs> and it also touches on a really good point, is that as we're talking about creating the community spaces you know, for the for the innovators, for the entrepreneurs, for the self-employed, but to also try to combine that with community hubs for the investor class, those people that have been in a community for a long time, and rather than investing just in the New York Stock Exchange or an international market, say, hey, there are ways you can invest in the local community as well that are also profitable and giving them a space with which to connect not only with each other but also with the people that are making things happen. Uh, Peter, um, what else would you say you'd like to see in the future? Well, I think that there's three things. We have talent, we have environment, now we need capital, and we need discussion. Like, for far too long, we've been the also-ran to Silicon Valley. It's time for people to accept that the Valley is great, and it has many advantages, and it has a lot of cultural diversity and a lot of very smart people. Um, but Santa Cruz is poised to really take advantage of the technology and take advantage of our talent here and spurn the next level of sustainable economic development. And I think I can sort of wrap up um, uh, and go uh, both to what, what Sean and Peter just said, is that I, I think that we need to, to tell a new story about Santa Cruz. We need to, to rethink and redevelop our brand. We need to rethink how, how we talk to each other about what Santa Cruz is, and then we need to rethink how we tell the rest of the world what Santa Cruz is and what it can be. Um, I've been here two years uh, is all, and I am – utterly compelled by what that story could be and how we could tell it and who we could tell it to. So uh, I think that's that's sort of the next big thing, uh, is, is, is rethinking and rebuilding that brand. It's an amazing story. We need to tell it to ourselves and start telling it to the world. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you again so much for, uh, for chatting with me this morning. Um, I'm going to end the podcast here, but I'll still be on the line if you guys want to chat afterwards. Everyone, again, this is Alex Lavage with A New Knoxville. And uh, tune in next time. Talk to you soon. Thanks.